So, hello everyone. Uh, welcome to the second part of this podcast with John Dominique, and we're going to talk about his work, about SpaceX, about space startups, and about his opinion on that. Also, um, yeah, we, we talked about um, Mars exploration, lunar exploration, and why he thinks it's not that easy anymore compared to the history or why we haven't been to the moon again and yeah i i had a good chat in the second part feel free to join and thanks thanks for all of you so maybe let's go to our topic uh in terms of space and I talk a bit more about your your work and uh, about some yeah some some questions related to, to to the space industry which I uh, w want to ask um, maybe again you told us um, shortly about or you told us about your work what you do now um, so could you maybe explain it a bit more precisely so what do you do now like I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah, I don't know how much you can tell us about. Yeah, of course, uh, yeah. no, I can, yes, of course. So um, as I said, my, my mission is to, to find and to de-risk uh, new technology or future technology that has not been yet considered in aerospace or at least Airbus, but that would be really big game changer for the aerospace and maybe for society as well. So it's very big scope. Uh, so for the not the next generation of product, but the, the one after. So though, though we're thinking about new, 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 new energy for for future aircraft after electric. Uh, uh, you know, new um, new way to assemble things in space uh, and and completely new things. So I I structure the work in uh, basically four phases. So you have a phase where we we um, gather uh, a lot of intelligence about new technology worldwide so scientific fields very varied all the way from physics to biology to you know economics uh yeah economical and geopolitical mega trends so where society is gonna be in like 20 30 years what is the most optimistic scenario and how, how do we work towards the scenario what technology we need to develop to to go to the positive scenario of the future um we look at so, so what competitors are doing uh we look at uh startups we look at what other industries are doing so uh yeah, to get a lot of ideas and then based on this understanding so there are some ideas we can take fresh off where they are uh, but some ideas we can also invent based on what we understand uh, of that that future or that context then we are we are um going a phase where we do a, a strategic selection of the idea where we say, uh, we, we don't you look at the technical feasibility yet, we say, okay, if that thing, if that technology were, was real, um, how would it make the world better? How would it make Airbus more competitive? And so, you know, compared to competition, you know, what's go, who could be the customers and it's more like a business assessment of it. Then when it's, we validate that, we move into a technical validation phase where we, we go for a deep dive for uh, at least six months on, um, Understanding, you know, is this technology science fiction or not? Uh, is this uh, is this something that can be actually industrialized by Airbus, or we are just too big for something like this? Uh, when will it be mature? Uh, what would we need to have in place to adopt this in the next product of Airbus? Um, and then when we validate that it's really technically feasible, uh, so it's more mostly analysis and maybe a proof of concept or prototype, then we we sell it basically to uh, other parts of the business of Airbus, saying, okay, you know. That thing will will change your 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 work. It will help you. Then your next product will be better. And we uh, try to convince people to adopt that. Uh, so that's basically it. And uh, for me personally, I put in place the frame on how to conduct the activity, uh, and I uh, run the team of experts that is doing the actual technical or most of the work. Uh, uh, so we are. I'm, I'm part of the of the the CTO, the Chief Technology Office of Airbus, to so the complete company, all the way from satellite to aircraft. And uh, there's a big community of experts there who are, you know, they can be from uh, like they are experts in artificial intelligence, in electrification, materials, things like that. And um, I basically take them based on the priorities. So I have a, 
a budget allocation of a number of people that I can have per year. And based on the on the needs, I say, okay, I need five people from AI, I need well, two people from structure, and and, uh, and I task them into the doing what they need to do. And it's a lot about uh, inspiring them, motivating them, and developing them as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, you do you're doing the interdisciplinary work and the management, as you told us. Yeah. Um, is this possible to give like maybe one kind of example or like yeah, of yeah. yeah. so we've um, in the past in the team there's a strong history of um, of quantum technologies in biotech so we are really we are the ones who have who are, we have brought quantum within Airbus so quantum computing which will be a game changer for um, aircraft design and satellite design and also uh, communications routing and things like that to uh to, to have the next level of simulation and simulate things that you would never have thought of um and also maybe find new materials more efficient materials by generating new models complex models quantum communication will be a game changer in in security of communication so uh because now as you know you know uh, cyber security uh, data piracy etc is a big topic and uh, and it's it's widely believed that quantum comms will will be the one that will not be hackable so it's really important when you, when you because we, we have a business when we sell secure communication but when you sell a satellite or an aircraft uh, you want to make sure that uh, the customers also has the, uh, the the connection to that that platform secure and is sending the data well and that's very important uh, quantum sensing uh, so this is the super cool like it's a way to basically find things that are underwater or underground without going there uh, or having inertial navigation uh, like um, a gps that doesn't need any satellites for example uh, biotech we uh, we did work on uh, on uh, it's more it's a lot around sustainability so you know recycling space and, and, and aerospace material it's a really hot topic because usually uh, there, are, there are some heavy metals and carbon fiber that usually go to the trash and are bad for the environment but we find a way to use enzymes to um, to uh, do that in a sustainable way, and now the new topics that we're going to work on are uh, the metaverse. Uh, so, what what yeah. does the metaverse mean for uh, aerospace at large? You know, do we need to change the way we operate? We need to become a software company because of that. Uh, and uh, a very cool, f fancy science fiction topic I love is uh, is space-based solar power. Uh, so, it's it's an old science fiction idea that now becoming a reality. Uh, which is about um, set, putting large solar arrays in space where you get a lot more higher power density than on Earth and also 24-7 availability of energy and beam it down with the microwave or laser beam to a facility on, on Earth that would spread it then to, to the grid uh, for houses, but also for facility to facility that can generate green hydrogen, for example, because green hydrogen is super high demanding in energy. Uh, and also to flying aircraft that are electric or flying drones or flying satellites. So I think the first use case would probably be around satellites, it's a lot easier uh, because it's around the, the array, right? Like uh, take a satellite, take out the power, the, the power system and the, and the solar panel, and it's a lot cheaper, it's a lot easier to launch, and then provide power to that satellite via the beam from that station uh, in orbit. Yeah, it's probably going to um, like stay longer in orbit because of the new propulsion system as well, I guess, because mm -hmm. yeah, you have like the solar energy and not like a certain amount of gas or anything. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, that, um, so would you say that you, because it sounds quite complicated, <laughs> which in which uh, or for which uh, application which you need a PhD or when like would you say it's obviously it's not needed to go into space industry would it be helpful or would it even be um, would it harm like or would it be harder to get a certain job with a PhD and what would you say about about doing a PhD in that industry yeah so um clear answer you absolutely don't need a phd at all uh you uh honestly to be to be engineer uh, system designer mission architect uh, and then manager and etc no you don't need at all um now where i am I be, all the staff or the or the experts they are doctors because we are in the super high technology environment uh, where we need to be a bit at the front for 
front of research. So uh, all the all my teams and and the, the people in the, the colleagues team they they have they are scientists they have a PhD. But it's 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 the only department in Airbus which is like that. And so uh, it's so you don't need it. <laughs> yeah. So you may, maybe become even more specialized, and it may be harder to kind of develop within with other like tasks or like. I think what's really important is for me. I mean, if you want to make a career. Uh, Okay, I mean, you can decide, okay, uh, maybe I just I love propulsion, I just be a propulsion engineer, that's fine. If you right. want to go beyond and make a career into, you know, uh, tackling different projects, different, uh, you know, earth observation, telecoms, uh, human exploration, and then management, etc. Yeah. What you need, it's a, it's a, it's a good high level understanding. So you don't need to be expert in anything, you need to uh to understand how all these the pieces of the puzzle of the systems are working how uh, you know the value chain of space is working all the way from launcher to to the user uh, application um you know how the subsystem yeah are integrated but that's about it you know once you know that you can find your way anywhere yeah. you, you don't you don't need to be a an expert in uh, you know in a, in a coating of a surface of a solar array or anything i mean you yeah you can you know if you if you like that if that's what you want you can, and that will not it'd be a showstopper. Uh, and but then, okay, if I look at my colleague now, for example, they, I mean, they are, I mean, the the, the PhD, all the scientists, they are really experts in one domain, and they are trying to develop that domain in particular. And uh, when they join my team, uh, they uh, I push them out of the boundary, you know, to explore other fields that they, they didn't think of before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So it's also interesting to see that side um in general what what would you say maybe how would you describe in two to three sentences your like a normal working day in the space industry and yeah what would you say about... yeah i mean it depends at uh it depends it's it can be very diverse i mean uh, because it's not a normal day <laughs> no no but it yeah. depends because you can be an yeah. engineer you can be an engineer you can okay. be a, a business developer you can be a uh, you know, a quality guy. But if I take just the basic, which is engineer, like most of people are engineers. Let's say, uh, yeah, you know? yeah, we could compare like a quick comparison between engineering and management, maybe. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, um, yeah, management. There are also two levels: this project management and leader of a team, okay. which is two different. But, but okay. As an engineer, I think it's it's pretty cool huh? because you you. Um, you are working on um you you know that that the thing that you are working on today will will end up in space in 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 a couple of years which is highly motivating you know you go you wake up so i go there and then i have my analysis to run i have my uh, system integration to do uh i um I interface with the agency etc uh, uh but then i know that uh the pressure usually well it's interesting compared to other industry you have i think much less pressure of time because the life cycle of products is a lot, is a lot longer and it's kind of expected that it can be late you know so uh, so you have less pressure than in tr traditional industry but you have this sort of um uh you know drive like a shit it has to fly in two years yeah. like yeah. i mean the, the launch can be postponed you know but like man i yeah. want this thing to be up there i want i want it to go into space and to go around the, the earth and and uh, it, it's kind of your own drive right uh, now concretely i mean you, again if, if you're a, an engineer who's a um, specialist in in the domain like mechanical propulsion etc you yeah. typically run analysis uh, of a system and you you give um, you give this analysis to the to the, the system engineer the test engineer uh, if you're a system engineer so for me i started a system engineer so it's possible uh, system engineer, you need to understand how these bricks are assembled, and you have to make sure that they are they will integrate well for the final mission. So, uh, uh, for example, I started as payload system engineer, but it can be the same for a full satellite. Huh? So um, you are you 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 set up a plan when you know okay, um, I, is a list of requirements for my mission to work. Uh, my mission will work if it. Uh, if the, the temperature doesn't exceed the 200 degrees, you know, if the the, the, the strength of the material is that, or so a lot of technical uh, things, and there is a validation method that that is making sure you 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 match this requirement. So if you so uh, here is the way how I demonstrate that I don't go over 300 degrees. Uh, 
then you ask the, 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 the specialist, like, okay, make me an analysis, make me a test uh, and give me that test and I'll make sure that it works well. And if it doesn't work well, what is the impact on the other systems and how we, we, we resolve the situation? And yeah, and, it's, uh, and then it, what's interesting is that you often, you have a turnover of, uh, of project. I mean, uh, I mean, unless you're in James Webb where you worked on this for 20 years, but uh, usually you're on a satellite for two or three years and then you move on to the next one. And mm -hmm. yeah. So, okay. Um, so engineer is more like based on the yeah, task products and you kind of- also... It's very process driven, I would say. So then maybe the, I mean, design, even design is a, is a process. So it's not, you're not really inventing. Uh, so that's a bit, maybe the, the different thing yeah. you need to know. Uh, when you, so usually the big project, they are, they are, uh, they are, uh, there, there's a specification that we put, put up by the space agency that you have to follow. Uh, and if, if it, even if it's the, your own company project, you, uh, it's very rare that you start with a completely creative board being like, uh, Oh, well, if we started from scratch, you know, I would make a, a five kilometers uh, structure and blah, blah, blah. No, usually mm -hmm. there's, um, there's a very sound process saying, okay, uh, uh, like a structure has to follow this kind of requirement and norms. And how do I, how do I fit this, these norms to my new project? So it, it can be very administrative. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I have to would you fit, would you say that's one of the main differences to other industries or what would you say no 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 every industry uh, engineering yeah. is per se very process driven yeah. and and although I'm a creative person I think it's good this way because okay. it ensures quality you know uh, you know having this big set of requirements matrices verification methods test standards that you cannot deviate from, you know, uh, it's, and a lot of people that are paid only to verify that this is applied according to the process. Well, thank God, because otherwise the, the yeah. mission will be yeah. a, a mess. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, but well, yeah. yeah, what would you say is the main difference then to, to this, uh, like maybe to compare to more conventional industries? Maybe uh, yeah, the main difference uh the life cycle are longer i think of products so you can i mean if you're in the in the car on the yeah i don't know yeah i don't know maybe cars but no not even cars but phones or yeah, consumer electronics you know have a new product every six months yeah um you have maybe less pressure to innovate i think because life cycles are longer um and uh, less, yeah, less pressure in general yeah less the, like probably also um the yeah, like you don't produce that much of uh, products. You probably yeah, exactly don't produce that much. But though, but one I found though very cool yeah. is that the the environment uh, in which you are to qualify your product is million times harder than anything else in the industry. And I think that that's the beauty of it. You have to design for something that has to withstand massive amounts of radiation, vacuum, yeah. uh, operation by an astronaut that doesn't know his way around this thing, uh, you know, um, a, a potential crash on the surface of the moon. Uh, that, yeah, that, that's what I find cool, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, yeah it's, so you take, it's the same sort of methods. The system engineering, you know, is a process that is applied everywhere. But you need to to apply it in super harsh environment, and you also need to find the test condition for it. You have to think, oh, where can I do it? Oh, I go in the desert of uh, in the desert of Israel, and I'm gonna test this like this, and that's pretty cool. <laughs> so yeah, to come up with special solutions and everything is that also like the reason why it's maybe more expensive? Like I know that space industry is like kind of expensive, so you don't have too many private um, companies working on that. I think like SpaceX is also a, uh, an an example for 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 the new space industry or for the new era of space maybe like symbolically because Airbus also has much uh, innovations going on. Yes, yeah, so the cost. Yes, indeed, the reason of the, for the cost is the uh, is the amount of effort you need to put to uh, to make it safe because there's you only have one chance. You know if you Mm -hmm. it, 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 you launch this thing if it fails in orbit, man. Uh, but you don't get a second chance. So yeah. uh, you have to do everything you can to make sure that in the one single shot you have, it will withstand the harshest environment ever. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's also the beauty of it. 
that's really yeah. the, and that's that's where the creativity coming in uh, and stuff. Yeah. yeah and we have to get it up over there so that's also i yeah. think that propulsion is also a huge topic in, in space industry because yeah yeah um yeah yeah, yeah. maybe to answer because you, yeah. you yeah. mentioned very rightly spacex on the cost uh uh what's interesting with space well, it's interesting spacex is probably the most interesting company yeah? but one of the many interesting things is that they are they're designed uh from a capability-based or goal-based design. So uh, so they start, so it, it's completely the converse way. So in, usually in the in space industry, you say, okay, uh, I have this mission to fulfill. Uh, I have these requirements. I will start to build, you know, from the technology I know, how we iterate to the next level to make it like that, etc. Uh, but they start with, okay, I want to I wanna go to Mars uh, daily, okay? To go to Mars daily, uh, it needs to be cheap uh, for people to colonize it. So they start to, my price point needs to be that point. So, and that's my top requirement. So what, wh how do I derive everything else from that price point? And never, nobody else has done that ever in a space industry, yeah. ever. Yeah. Uh, and so they, 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 they started with costs in mind from the very beginning. And that's how they picked reusability. They didn't say we want, you know, typically in Airbus, we would have said, yeah, reusability. That's cool. It looks cool techno te technically. Uh, we will demonstrate it works and we try to find a use for it. Um, but SpaceX is like, okay, no, I want to make things cheap. And then, okay, then reusability will make it cheap. So that's why we do it. Yeah, like recycling so, the first stage and something. What, what recycling they... everything you can. And, uh, yeah. and then, okay, and then the, the working methods, which are also extremely lean, you know, push, putting people working 80 hours plus week and, uh, and, uh, yeah, so they, but I'll say I have to, to reveal something as well on SpaceX is that they cheat a lot on their prices because they, uh, the commercial prices are, um, well, cheating, maybe it's a bit of a yeah. tough word. Tricks, but uh, tricks, like... uh, but, uh they, they, they have very, very low uh, cost for the commercial launches, but they have double or triple costs uh, for defense launches. So basically, the defense business is subsidizing the commercial. Okay. Uh, so th thanks to the money they get by tripling the cost of a, of a defense launch, they can afford to have lower prices on the commercial market. Mm -hmm. um, so actually, just what I noticed, a oh, quick question. Um, I would have a couple of questions. I hope you, I don't know how much time you have left. Yes, you can. I have some time now. Yeah. Um, I actually uh, found out that the former chief engineer of um, SpaceX. He studied at, at Technical University of Munich, and then he moved to Stanford. And then he has been, he's, he has been hired by Elon Musk or something. He has also Turkish roots, so I'm not sure if he's like 100% German. Oh, is it a bullet item? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you know him? Yeah, I know bullet, yeah. Yeah, if he works with, with Airbus as well, I don't know. Maybe he... Yeah, yeah, he was, he was with Airbus for a while as well, yeah. Oh yeah, that's yeah because he's doing a lot of like uh, I don't know financing innovations like ESA yeah. Aerospace for example. I don't yes. know yeah what you think about startups coming up um, in that industry or if you work with you told me you work with startups. So would yeah. you work with those startups coming from for example my university like ESA Aerospace? Mm -hmm. What would you um, say about uh, these? Well, I say a, wor a word in general is that in, uh, well, maybe, maybe so starting with the big picture, it has never ever been a better time in history to do a space company, never. I mean, when I started my career, it was not even a thing, you know, to, uh, to have a, a space company. It was only agencies and the massive uh, players like us or Thales or Lockheed Martin, uh, because yeah. they were, we, our companies were created by the government. So let's be frank. Um, but it, it was not even in anybody's mind. And now you reach a point when, when uh, people graduating think about, yeah, I could do a space startup, where venture capitalists, they consider it as one of the many uh, domain of their portfolio. Not even, okay, it's on the risky part of the portfolio, but it's a normal investment part of a VC. Uh, and then you've got uh, in Europe, I think the best moment ever to do that because 
uh, politician, they, they find, they see, okay, we, we have been screwed by, uh, by especially SpaceX and, and a couple others. Um, and uh, this innovation, this, this, this disruptivity didn't come from the agencies or NASA. It came from this, well, indirectly, but okay. Yeah. Uh, it came from the visible side. It came from, from the startups and we don't have that and we need to change that. So every politician in Europe want to have a space startup in its city, in its town, in his, in his, you know, in his country. So it's very easy money you can get today. Okay. Really. Uh, yeah. Now the, the the drawback to that is that I think there's a lot of nonsense stuff that is getting funded. All right. <laughs> and you can judge that. Yeah. Opinion on launcher. I mean, I think Isar they are the best placed, but in general, uh, I have a problem with the micro launcher company because. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, so the, the, when they pitch the, the business case, they say, look at the market forecast for the satellites that need to be launched in the next 10 years. So in the next 10 years, there'll be 10,000 satellites that need to be launched. If you look at the, 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 the capacity today, that's not high, it's not there. So we will feed this, this needs for, for, for satellite launches with our small launcher because it's flexible. We can launch it multiple times. Blah, blah. The problem with that is that 80% of this uh, uh, satellite to be launched are already allocated to launcher because they are part of the mega constellation. So they're all for Starlink, OneWeb, uh, Telesat, the Amazon Kuiper constellation. Mm -hmm. And all of these mega constellations, they already have a deal with, with launch companies. So what remains that is really accessible for the micro launchers is very small. Well, it's not very small, but it's, it's well, in my opinion, it's hard to find a business case when you see the amount of micro launcher company to serve this. Okay. So good luck with that. But I know it's a very, the problem with politicians is that is, and also investors, it's a very visible part of space. You know, it's like, wow, a rocket, wow, cool. You know, there's a lot of fires and wow, cool. But whereas it's, if it's like a business idea of exploiting data from a satellite, etc., it's not as visible. So they get okay. a lot of, money and uh so I, I i disagree on the trend but i in in the trend i think is are the, are the best position today yeah and really interesting um to, to to see your thoughts on that because like i know some of my university or some of my tutors working there and like it's impressive to see uh, to get to, to your opinion on that and also because you're also doing like innovation um lectures right like you're kind of giving lectures in space uh, innovation which yeah. is also really interesting um how was that actually related to your job was that on your own or like could you yeah so um yeah so i was approached basically by the european institute for innovation and sustainability because i know a guy there so hadi the course yeah. director from uh we, we did a hackathon together when we were oh. younger in <laughs> so you, we did a no it, it It was a United Nations hackathon okay. where they wanted uh, people to find space um, solutions for uh, poverty and, and, and food, and etc. And we met there and we kept contact and he asked me, oh, uh, would you like to, to be a professor there? Because I think we get the same, the same mindset, etc. So uh, the professorship, I do it uh, on my own uh, in, outside of Airbus, which yeah. needed, I need the agreement of the company also for, for that. Huh? But uh, we are launching, we also sponsor as Airbus uh, of the, the challenge of that course, which is to find a new business idea around the space-based solar power. Uh, and uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. Uh, if I wouldn't have courses, I probably um, would have applied for it because it's really interesting. And I know now I know who to come up uh, to, 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 who to, to uh, who to ask if I have like uh, Uh, an idea for I don't know startups concerning yeah, this. Of course. <laughs> yeah but yeah but you know it's funny because I was contacted so I was a uh, so ESA the European yeah. Space Agency they organized the first workshop ever in Europe on space-based solar power in December yeah and um and then I presented at the workshop and then I was contacted by many people afterwards and then these, these two students from Tripyro contacted me yeah very uh you know very candid very um like a uh, very uh, natural and innocent, like, yeah, we contact you because um, we are about to graduate and um, we want to build a mega constellation of um, small satellites in low earth orbits that will provide electricity to the whole world. Yeah. And uh, we want to get your technical advice on, on that. Like, Dude, 
like you know first make your satellites you know yeah. one yeah. work you know then make two satellites that will work with one another then make three uh then try to find a way to to gather energy to find it and then we will talk you know but like yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> and then yeah not like uh yeah but uh, so i mean the, the takeaway from this why i'm saying this is that uh yes it's the best moment in time to uh, to do space startup you have good ideas etc but you have to be also realistic in, in the fact that space is very difficult as uh, yeah. technically difficult uh, uh, politically difficult and uh, you have to start small so you i will recommend to, to to get you know instead of having a big grand vision i want to i want to beat spacex or whatever yes yeah. i um what are the little bricks i can develop to get to the point you know, I, i i maybe I, i start with a subsystem of a satellite because i know that it's a subsystem that will be needed by microsats and i i build that subsystem i sell it to microsat company and then from that i maybe build my own microsat or i sell a service from that and then you you know you start small and having quick wins rather than that, yeah. that kind of grand thing <laughs> Okay, maybe uh, a quick tip. How is it possible to get startups or to start a certain uh, business idea in space industry because it's so um, like expensive and hard to and like demanding or? Um, so I mean, as a, my my cons, my cons, my uh, advisory as a yeah. <laughs> as founder as a for founder uh, in general so i, I actually uh, did a, a, a company on a startup on the side of my job which was an it startup uh, some years ago uh, and i a big mistake i made uh, and i saw other people also that some did and some did not and they were completely yeah. right is to think that you can do it all so usually you, when, you, when you have your idea and you think okay well you know i want to build this new satellite it's going to be so cool as a product and and i need to understand how to build a satellite because i i cannot defend to investor if i don't know or i i need to if i want to be a leader and a ceo and a founder i want to understand the technical thing how the payload works how the satellite works how the ground segment work how the business customer work how the how the analytics uh with ai on topic works no yeah. you don't need to know that's the baby big takeaway what you need to is to know where you want to go and to have a high level again understanding of how these pieces are working together and hire the guy to do it you will never be able to be a chief engineer a, a business developer uh, a leader uh, an investment you know guy or whatever all at once it's impossible so okay. you you focus on a collaboration so you need to you 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 know where you want to go And you get the people to do it with the funding, and you and you collaborate. You 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 uh, you focus on a, on, a, on a coordination, yeah, coordination, and really only that. Otherwise, it's just impossible. So that's yeah. the practical tip. In terms of the concrete, also um, tip of how to get money or etc. How, how if I have an idea, where do I go? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of channels. You have um, you have ESA as, as incubators. Uh, startup incubators that take space companies uh, i mean in oh actually in tomb you mentioned tomb uh, there's an excellent institute i work with i really recommend it's cdtm is center for digital yeah. technology i wanted maybe yeah i heard about it like i wanted to inform me about this yeah that's quite awesome. they are they are the best uh, sort of you know uh, uh, startup incubator you know actual kind of university think tank i work with ever yeah okay They're amazing yeah um uh, yeah. yeah so maybe because i think we kind of run out of time yeah, yeah like four to five questions maybe you could like answer them um, you could just give yeah, a short, short answer on that so yeah, um what would you think about uh why can't we get to the moon so easily and what do you think about the mass exploration so mm -hmm. what would, yeah how would you answer that maybe yeah kind of as well, okay yeah so why we cannot get to the moon so easily uh because the technology that was built for the apollo program is all lost and gone we didn't have computers and they have to re restart everything from scratch it's really crazy um and it's uh it needs a lot of energy to get there uh and so, money probably yeah so energy is money oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, there's a lot of energy so a lot of money uh, to power your 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 system to go there um and it's also i think the the social acceptance of going to the moon is not as big as it used to be so uh, i mean apollo program uh, it was a 
beat the Russian, uh, win the Cold yeah. War. And, you know, now, there's not, yeah. no such things. So, yeah, it's an interesting topic is that why the, the US are going back to the moon with Artemis? It's a geopolitical race against China. Yeah, that's what I wanted to, to, to mention. Uh, and that's, yeah, no, but yeah. But um, it's not as strong as, as back in the Apollo days. Okay. Uh, now your question was on Mars. Uh, what was the... uh, What do you think about exploring the Mars? W would you think it might be possible in the next three to four years or maybe in this decade? And what would you think about it? Would you support it? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. of course. So, I think it's... Uh, I mean, it's... Uh, there's a lot to learn into going there and establishing basement uh, base there because, I, I mean, let's go back to the big picture. You know, we... We are a species. Uh, we are we are some kind of animals that needs to find a home and expand. And 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 at some point, I cannot foresee that we will stay uh, sustainably where we are on the Earth. Uh, and and it's just it's 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 in every species' nature to go and grab new habitat and and yeah. and, and and get and, and find new homes. And maybe the, the time scale is very long, but the time scales of insects going into the world is also and and evolving as a species also huge. So. So I think it's it's a natural evolution and uh, and it went extremely fast in an evolutionary timescale. Uh, we went from uh, from not believing in in having a solar system to actually going to yeah. Mars. Huh? Um, so it's uh, it will happen and it has to happen uh, for the good of mankind, no matter what the naysayers uh, are saying. Yeah. Uh, and um, feasibly, so yeah, there are still some technical challenges. I mean. I think the, the biggest technical challenges we face is how to deal with radiation, in my perspective. Yeah, yeah, for humans. Uh, for humans and also, yeah. For yeah, also for the, yeah. Uh, otherwise, and yeah, the life support system that you need to sustain humans there in a comfortable way, uh, that would, that's still work in progress. Otherwise, mm -hmm. I mean, if yeah. you get the funding, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, we should go for it. You should absolutely mm -hmm. go for it. Okay, um, and yeah, it will probably also be a race between like the future space nations or the current space nations, also in terms of like space wars and space military. And um, yeah, actually, yeah. I, I realized that like space industry is quite close to defense industry. Like it's told, uh, I didn't know that Lockheed does, uh, Lockheed Martin does space uh, related uh, industry as well. So yeah. Like, yes, yeah, so uh, it's interesting. So the uh, space actually was born out of defense. Huh? I mean, uh, the industry itself. I mean, yeah, you always had astronomers yeah. looking at the sky, but the actual industry of having satellites and launchers, it was a purely defense uh, objective to to spy, to uh, to get access to information, uh, to have a quick communication for the military. Um, and so it has always been at the backbone of it. Uh, and then... No, publicly, uh, you have the US and Russia and China saying, oh, peaceful use of outer space, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a cover. And it's always, it, it's, it's um, okay. To, to give you a, an idea, yeah. uh, you know NATO, right? Yeah. The NATO organization? Yeah. Uh, NATO has defined uh, four years ago space as an, a new a domain which is equal in terms of military uh, military uh, influence to yeah. air, ground, maritime, and cyber. Yeah. So it's it's equal in terms of military uh, significance. Yeah. And uh, it's it's widely recognized now that the f the first conflicts will happen in space. Yeah. The f when you have the first conflicts, will be how do I neutralize uh, uh, the the other guy's satellite so it yeah. doesn't get the data that is then get the the, the the information, etc., and so now there's a big development of, of protecting space assets. So we are developing solution to to make sure that we will always have the GPS working. Yeah, definitely. All the things because it will be the first thing people will strike. Yeah, I think that's what starts now actually because I I read some news about like satellites following other satellites, getting them out of the orbit and all that. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. That's definitely probably going to be um, a topic in the future. But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I want I wanted to be also very clear on that. Uh, so um, people shouldn't be like say it's happening. You know, nobody likes this. You know, I I hate it. You know, I want yeah. space to be free, etc., and do uh, just for the expansion of science and knowledge. But 
it is happening. There's nothing we can do about that. Space has a geopolitical value and strategic, you know, and the government will use it and there's nothing we can do to stop it. So when I hear people like, no, I boycott, uh, uh, no, Europe, the European Commission saying, oh, I don't, I boycott this. I don't want to be involved in this kind of thing. We will let the US and, 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 and China have a world together, man. If you don't do anything, you, you will be screwed, man. Like, so yeah. nobody likes it, but it's happening. So it's a fact. Don't, uh, yeah, no, no. just don't be deny it. Yeah, it's, it's like, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, um, um, yeah, what would you think then about the future challenges in space? Because we have so much space debris, so it might be hard at a certain point to launch that much, mm. especially it become like because it becomes more um, like common or like more freak. We're gonna launch freak more frequently in the future, so the space debris will grow exponentially, and I think that's a huge issue for, for for future like challenges and but then also like politics law as we talked like like how do we um put space into law is it like ocean international ocean stuff or how would we deal with that like what would you think about the future uh, challenges and also solar storms like radiation and stuff how, how to deal with it because yeah so i think you you have you have touched in exactly the one topic that is uh the the biggest challenge i think for space in the coming years uh is really the regulation of it uh regulation uh because of so many satellites and debris and, and not only the debris but also all the mega constellation that will uh, go in one another and and yes space is big <laughs> but it's not that big that you can do whatever you want with it uh so uh, at least in the vicinity of our orbit so absolutely today it's um there is a bit of regulation that is really at local level you know the so frequency or allocated by a, an, an by an american body of who can use the frequency rights uh, you've got uh catalogs you know, like organization tracking where where satellites are in the us etc but there's no commonly agreed framework internationally to do that yeah and i think there's good i think that countries have been dealing that for a long time because because so far they can do whatever they want you know they yeah. they, they can put their their spy satellites whatever they want they can uh, uh, ca cannibalize the bandwidth of of another country without them you know yeah. doing anything about it yeah. so people government don't want it to happen but it will it will have to happen everybody knows it so that in my view it has to be an international body in the same like you have for the control of proliferation of nuclear weapons, for example, yeah. uh, or, uh, or a United Nations type of thing uh, that has to put everybody at the table and put some hard requirements and, and also some consequences for people who don't follow that. Yeah. And then uh, industry will build. I mean, we, we in Airbus, we have concepts on how to handle this technically. It's been 20 years. Yeah. And we pitch it all the time. You know, we go to Isa and say, you know, yeah. uh, this is going to be a big deal. We, you should use this this tech, this solution, etc. But nobody yeah. is there to pay for it yet. So we we are not ready to self invest in something like that that doesn't have a business case yet. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, and what would you think? How many space nations will we have in the future? Because I know China's uh, uh, pursuing space um, like research and also they launch space. But I also heard that uh, that that Saudi Arabia is quite into space and. Yeah. as well so would you think like it will be more than 10 or like less than 10 for example or, or maybe you have more well, i think uh, there's more and more people entering space which is probably a good thing uh, a lot of developing country and un actually is helping also developing country to enter space and to use it uh what's interesting there's really a distinction between country who who do it for for specific needs and application mm -hmm. and country who do it for the pride yeah. so uh most of the emerging countries, I would say, they use it for as a pride uh, because, you know, they could just buy the capacity you know, that they need from another country. Yeah. But now, now, so it usually starts with a pride aspect. Then the, it trans transitions to a sort of, we want to own our capability and be independent from others. Uh, um, and I think that's good because it will put competition. It will um, probably some countries have new, new use cases that others don't. And uh, honestly, the more the better. And uh, then everybody has to collaborate, right? But uh, yeah. ultimately, space needs to become an industry like any other, you know, that creates economic value in its own. Uh, and that that is just an, 
another extension of economy. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. And what I also wanted to say is like that all the situations drive actually um, or are the reasons for, for, for innovation in space. So, like, mm. or even like kind yeah. of conflict or like not like direct conflicts, but maybe if it's like implicit, it, it's kind of also. Uh, like that um, enhancing development and yeah such things so yeah, so, yeah. so it's not that straightforward i mean there are a lot of arguments about uh, you know space being a high-tech sector and having spin-off yeah. to, to the country industry yeah it's a lot it's a, it's a there's there's some wishful thinking in that to be honest but yeah yeah and maybe two last questions because i'm really interested in your experience with the james webb telescope did you work with um, or did you like hear something of, of of your colleagues i don't know if uh, yeah, yeah my, colleagues, my colleagues work on it yeah yeah um what was your thought on this mission or or like how did you experience this i mean i find it absolutely amazing and reassuring in my trust in mankind that still today people are willing to put tens of billion in something that will just make us understand the universe better and that's it full stop like yeah. you know in an age when when you question why we're gonna build a bridge because it will disturb uh, uh some some insect or whatever uh, why we are still using uh, plastic bottles or or why we have vaccine because vaccine don't make any sense blah, blah, bullshit. Yeah. Um, sorry in my opinion you know when qu people question stupid things like that and you and and it's very difficult to get money or or buy-in for new 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 innovative ideas we still found people who were okay to put 10 billions yeah. to look at the origin of the big bang which i guess a lot of people don't care about this and i think it's fantastic because it's yeah. you know if you if you dig into it it's putting us in perspective where we come from where are we going you know how is matter structured there's a lot of implication and it, And it's also, it has a very strong educational impact. So I think a lot of kids have been inspired by Hubble picture, you know, uh, including myself. You know, yeah. uh, what, what people know about the universe, it's mostly taker, pictures taken by Hubble. Uh, and it, I think that the fanciness of it, you know, because it's not it's something you can grasp. You know, it's uh, it's it's shiny, it's big, and uh, people can relate. I think probably easy easy to the, this kind of picture and so it has a strong inspirational impact uh, on getting pe people into these uh, scientific fields so i'm super excited about hubble um, web taking the place of hubble yeah. and especially going back at the origin of the big bang and and in the industrially speaking so we as Airbus, we've built uh, the, the part of hubble that uh, that is oh, sorry of web that will yeah, look at yeah. exactly that that beginning of the universe uh, the, the first seconds after and then like you know yeah that's answering one of the key questions you know, why yeah. why why the hell are we here why, how did we get there it's it's amazing but now uh the big problem of that program was that yeah. uh, it's a cost plus program so this kind of thing where uh it gets the, like, people in charge of the management are engineers who don't know how to do business forecasts and financial forecasts so it gets over budget over budget over budget over budget yeah. at some point it's too big to fail yeah. so agencies will just dump money just to get it done And it, it became way too late and expensive that it should have been. So yeah. it's an absolute catastrophe in terms of project management. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Disaster. So they need more, more, more like uh, managers in, in that industry. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe you should lead it the next time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, to sum this up, so already i want to thank you so much for your time because it was like really amazing to talk with you and to get your insights maybe to sum this up what are you like what do you think is the future of space and space industry and what would you think is your future within that um like yeah within this future or yeah do you, do you still want to pursue your career in space i i reckon but yeah what, what do you say about yeah. that sure so I think the I I think and I yeah that space will indeed become an industry sector like another, uh, which will be great uh, because there's so much more to be done. You know, there's uh, 
so much more potential to unlock. I think we are really at the beginning here. I mean, some people say, you know, we now as space is an established industry. I, I would I would disagree because we are now putting the building blocks for it. We are we are building the infrastructure to get there easily, to be comfortable there, to uh, get the power we need, to get the data we need. But what do we do with it? You know, it's not the end of it. Uh, it's um, it's it's a beginning. Uh, so let's get let's finalize that infrastructure. Uh, which is paying itself through, you know, okay, us observation and telecoms, but but for me, that's the building blocks to make a self-sustaining industry that will generate new value thanks to new materials you get from my, my, my microgravity, etc. And so, it's still it's uh, we are we are at the beginning of a huge thing here, and I really uh, encourage people to to go into it because it will economically grow from this point in time, and the fact that is tied so much to defense make it so that it will always get funded you know it will i don't see this becoming going going down i mean yes you, you will have wave of companies making it or, or going bankrupt but but it will always be funded at some capacity right um now uh, my future in that so i hope that uh with my role i, I want to be able to uh to find some technology bricks that will make this infrastructure uh, actually easy to use and uh, and you know make it you know make make it actual a normal thing because today it's not a normal thing and we want it to we want to make it normal um, and as I said so if I if I can make that green hydrogen for future aircraft are done through space energy how amazing would that be you know so I would love to to be part of that <laughs> yeah that that's amazing I, I I wish you the best on your journey and I hope uh, you're gonna like. Be, be, be in contact and like uh, we're gonna hear from you, especially if <laughs> you as well. Sure. Yeah, so thanks a lot for taking time again. And um, yeah, if there are any questions, I might re um, like transfer them to you if that's fine. Yes, of course, of course. Yeah. So um, yeah, to everyone, this was the last part, the second and the last part with Jean-Dominique. I hope you enjoyed this one as well. And yeah i think about providing future interviews in terms of this in terms of space topics or space related topics of like propulsion aerospace related topics not only on that but it's also part of my passion so hope to um provide you with other interviews as well hope if you hope you, that you will uh, enjoy that or want that as well and yeah as i told you feel free to give any feedback and to stay tuned.